Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Live one final day here from Miami. Uh, inshallah, we will uh, travail through America's uh, airline system and make it back so I can be there in studio with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin tomorrow. Good to see you again, gentlemen. We'll get to the show here in a minute because it's always good to also see our friends over at First Cup Coffee Company. It's a Christian-owned patriot coffee company that stands for core values like family and building community across the nation with freshly roasted beans delivered in ground or whole bean texture pods. Bulk 11 roast profiles are also available. There's a flavor for every Every freedom-loving American, Albert Coffee, like the big box stores, and it's shipped within days of being roasted. Uh, and you can go to firstcup.com and use the code DACE and save an additional 10% on your order if you do. Firstcup.com, discount code DACE at firstcup.com, discount code DACE for 10% off. And by the way, it comes personally recommended from our esteemed uh, producer, Aaron. Yes, coffee is a food group, McIntyre, correct? It is delicious. I've had two of their roasts. I had the Boston Common and the John Hancock. Both of them medium dark, which is my favorite roast of coffee. Both of them exceedingly, exceedingly good. Good stuff. All right, coming up on the show today, three non-political questions towards the end of the program. Uh, We will also have Theology Thursday, the world's largest Christian church put out a statement here this week on gender and salvation and baptism. We're going to go through that statement uh, and discuss it in real time coming up in Theology Thursday next hour. At the bottom of the hour, maybe some of you have heard this tragic story of the pastor who took his own life once his life, his double life as pretending to be a woman was exposed. What you may not know, pardon me, is there's more to that story. This may shock you may be shocking to some of you. But it turns out there's more to that story than the corporate media is letting on. Who knew, right? So the outlet in Alabama that broke that story, they're going to join us at the bottom of the hour to give us those details. The rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, that's coming up at the bottom of the hour. But before we get there, let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by GOP debate number three, which was hosted and moderated by NBC News, and it actually didn't suck. The moderators, for the most part, premised their questions fairly neutrally and with transient exceptions, didn't try to insert themselves into the fray. Right out of the gates, NBC asked the five candidates, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Chris Christie, and Tim Scott, why they would be a better alternative to Donald Trump. Instead of answering that question, Ramaswamy went after the RNC. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We're a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will 
turn over my yield my time to you. DeSantis answered saying something's changed about Trump since 2016. You look where we are now, it's a lot different than we were in 2016. And Donald Trump's a lot different guy than he was in 2016. He owes it to you to be on this stage and explain why he should get another chance. He should explain why he didn't have Mexico pay for the border wall. He should explain why he racked up so much debt. He should explain why he didn't drain the swamp. And he said Republicans were going to get tired of winning. Well, we saw last night, I'm sick of Republicans losing. In Florida, I showed how it's done. One year ago here, we were want a historic victory, including a massive landslide right here in Miami-Dade County. That's how we have to do it. Later on, Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley got into a spat over banning the social media app TikTok. I, I, I want to laugh at why Nikki Haley didn't answer your question, which is about looking at families in the eye. In the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. Adult daughter. The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters crapping her up. That's fine. Here's the truth. You're just the easy answer. Haley sensing liability after her myriad connections to Chinese businesses during her time as South Carolina's governor were exposed by ABC News yesterday, tried to go after DeSantis on China. But Ron, you are the chair of your economic development agency that as of last week said Florida is the ideal place for Chinese businesses. Not only that, you have a company that is manufacturer of Chinese military planes. You have it, they are expanding two training sites at two of your airports now, one which is 12 miles away from a naval base. Then you have another company that's expanding and they were just invaded by the Department of Homeland Security. So mine was 10 years ago. You gave Yours them was stuff. Six I didn't ago. give them anything. What's your story? And I abolished that agency that she's talking about. No, Enterprise he, Florida, we abolished it. And of course, we banned China from buying the land. Website Not last exactly week. a Go great check. recruiting pitch if you're banning them from purchasing you land. The website so we stood up week. and we the right Chris Christie says the retirement age needs to be raised. I have a son who's in the audience tonight who's 30 years old. If he can't adjust to a few-year increase in Social Security retirement age over the next 40 years, i got bigger problems with him than his Social Security payments. On the life issue, give it to Nikki Haley. She's been consistent in awfully waffling. As much as I'm pro-life, I don't judge anyone for being pro-choice, and I don't want them to judge me for being pro-life. So when we're looking at this, there are some states that are going more on the pro-life side. I welcome that. There are some states that are going more on the pro-choice side. I wish that wasn't the case, but the people decided. But has once again provided a sterling defense and critique of the pro-life movement. I'm reminded of a story about a, a young mother who was struggling in Jamaica about 40 years ago, 45 years ago. She was counseled to, to not have a baby because she was poor, baby wouldn't have opportunity, and she came close to have an abortion, but she decided to have the baby born poor in Jamaica. And the reason I know that story is because that baby girl ended up emigrating to the state of Florida, uh, becoming a lawyer and a judge, and I appointed her to the Florida Supreme Court in August of 2022. We're better off when everybody counts. Uh, we're better off when we can promote a culture of life. At the same time, I understand that some of these states are doing it a little bit different. Texas is not going to do it the same as New Hampshire. Iowa's not necessarily going to do it the same uh, as Virginia. So you got to work from the bottom up. Uh, you got to do a better job on these referenda. I think of all the stuff that's happened to the pro-life cause, uh, they have been caught flat-footed on these referenda, and they have been losing the referenda. A lot of the people who were voting for the
the referenda are Republicans who would vote for a Republican candidate. So you got to understand how to do that. But let's just be clear. The Democrats have taken a position. They will not identify the point at which there should be any protection all the way up until birth. That is wrong, and we cannot stand for that. Meanwhile, at the sparsely attended Trump rally, Kim Jong-un leads 1.4 billion people. And there's no doubt about who the boss is. Yeah, he's getting North Korea and China confused. After the debates, CNN held a focus group of Iowa GOP voters. All of you, 12 of you, 12 of the 13 voted for Trump. How many of you are ready to vote for Donald Trump right now in the caucuses? How many of you will caucus for Trump? Just two. So 12 of you voted for Donald Trump for president, but only two of you are ready to caucus for him. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Trust and Will. And, you know, when we were building this show, uh, Amy and I lived paycheck to paycheck for about a decade. And uh, the show has grown immensely. Thank you to all of you. We've had some other successes like a film and other things. And uh, we realized last year, you know, what? we've not really updated any of our estate stuff since we were in local radio. And so we went through Trust and Will to do all of that. Uh, They understand one size fits all templates may not capture all the important details of the life that you've built. And with Trust and Will, you can protect your legacy from the comfort of your home starting at just $159. Amy absolutely raved about it uh, when she went through the process to update uh, our situation. So from maintaining control of your assets to easing the burden on your loved ones, an estate plan can ensure your family stays prepared and protected. Gain peace of mind today with Trust and Will, and you can get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate planning documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash dace. That's trustandwill.com slash dace for 10% off and free shipping of your tr- of your estate planning documents at trustandwill.com slash dace. Also, don't forget, still time to get your autographed copy of my children's book we released last year, Why Thanksgiving, the first in a trilogy of children's books, Why Easter will be released next year. Just go to whythanksgiving.com if you want a signed copy of Why Thanksgiving to arrive in time for the holiday, whythanksgiving.com. We've got a few hundred, just a few hundred copies of these left, so don't hesitate. Why Thanksgiving.com. All right, to the debate, gentlemen. And, you know, I, I because I was in the spin room afterwards and there was just so many people there, uh, I, by the time I got back to my room last night, it was, it was basically midnight and I was already pretty tired and just didn't have time to lay out my thoughts on what I what I thought, who I thought did well. And I decided not to do it this morning when I woke up because two things dawned on me. One of them, how many people that are probably smarter than me already did this, so a lot of my takes are going to be dated. But, But also, people came up to me after the debate and said things to me that just demonstrated how much different it is when you are there compared to when you're watching on TV. I'll just give you one example, okay? Um, somebody whose opinion I immensely respect came up to me and said, um, hey, I, I, I mean, um, I, I was actually someone in the, someone that was watching from the green room was not in the auditorium, came up to me and they were watching in the green room and said, man, I, I was really surprised that your guy was like the only one looking into the camera and talking all night long. And it never dawned on me how much of a difference that would make if you're watching the debate on TV. Because sitting in the front row, I was seated between Ron DeSantis' wife and Vivek Ramaswamy's wife. A lot of men wouldn't have minded that seat, by the way. Um, I was seated between these two women, so I had a pretty good seat. 
And if, if you, I felt like they were addressing me because I was in the crowd. Never dawned on me if, if one guy is disproportionately speaking into the camera and millions are watching at home and there's only a thousand sitting in that auditorium, that could absolutely provide a different vantage point on, on who you thought did well. I had another friend of mine uh, who I've cited as a little birdie on the show in the past, did some work in and for the Trump White House. And he's been approached by various campaigns to support them in this cycle. And he's so far, un large, he's so far uncommitted. And he came up to me after the debate and he said, hey, this is the first time that I really, I've been to every debate and this is the first time that I thought Ron DeSantis clearly won the debate. And I thought that's strange because watching it TV, this, the last debate we had, I thought Ron clearly won that one. And I, I really respect this guy's opinion. And so I, I, I just decided I'm not gonna go down that road because I couldn't react in real time. The Wi-Fi signal wasn't very good. And instead I thought where I could provide some benefit is in giving people some perspective of things I noticed from being inside the room that you might not have picked up on watching. And then I'm gonna turn it over to you guys and you guys actually give the audience and me your take on who you thought did well when it comes to the debate itself. Uh, a couple of things I jotted down on Twitter earlier today. Uh, the most applause, if you're a DeSantis stand like I am, the most applause Ron got in, in the room anyway, was both of his opening and closing statements. And I, I think for him as a candidate, that's important. Because, I mean, the guy's policy record is so solid that Nikki Haley is trying to attack him for not drilling in a swamp. I mean, that, that's where we're at, okay? Um, that, that, that's, that's, I mean, there's, there's really nothing else to attack him on, you know? And this is where you gotta give Donald Trump credit. He just come up with a lot better lies than Nikki Haley's coming up with. And so the key for DeSantis, and we've said this from the beginning, even before I endorsed, is the presentation aspect, the crafting of a narrative. Uh, you know, what Aaron uh, played there in the clip of his pro-life answer, using the personal example there, the emotional appeal. So I thought it was good for him to resonate with his opening and closing statements, because that's when he came in, coming into this race, I think that's where he needed to demonstrate the uh, uh, the most credibility and, uh, and connectivity as a candidate. Um, Vivek connected with the audience right away um, when he went right after NBC News and the moderators uh, for especially this, specifically the NBC pa uh, family of networks for pe the peddling of fake news. Um, his answer on Ukraine was fairly well re received as well in the audience, giving people that if you're only watching even just Fox News, if you're only watching you know linear news, you probably heard a lot of information about Ukraine that, and all everything the bake said is true. You probably heard a lot of information about Ukraine you've not been told literally anywhere else. The problem was, um, the moment there that Aaron, you highlighted. Now I could not hear. I, I was told, you know. In fact, my I, I just my wife says I'm going to text you my thoughts in real time so you can see them. I had to turn my phone off. The Wi-Fi signal in there was just so bad I couldn't get anything. So after the debate, I turned my phone on and literally 300 texts come in. A hundred of them are probably from my wife with her thoughts. Okay, and she's like, "Did you hear Nikki Haley call him scum?" I'm like, "I didn't. I could not." Now that's you can hear on that microphone. It's plain as day. Inside the auditorium, and again, I'm sitting in the front row next to the wives of two of the candidates on the stage, or in between them. I could not hear what she said. It was impossible. The blowback, whatever you think the blowback Vivek was that you heard on camera in the room, that was the loudest moment of the entire night. I mean, that, clearly a party foul was called on Vivek 
who was probably about this close to completely having control of the audience, um, given the way that he started, and then lost that uh, and never really got it back. In fact, I, I had a friend of mine who lives in another state and has been pretty pro-Vivek all along. He texted me this morning and he's like, man, I love the way that he started. That's just what I wanted to see. But that, you know, invoking Haley and her family there way out of bounds and probably hurt himself. And so he was, that was his take watching on TV. I think my wife let you know on Twitter last night, she wasn't a big fan of that. And she's not a big fan of Nikki Haley anyway, but she really thought that was a low blow. In the arena, everybody thought that was a low blow. And I, I can't imagine anything getting booed more than if, 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 you know, if, if Rana had actually decided to be one of the debate contestants, then she could have probably gotten booed even more. Um, a little bit of the give and take, you know, when the cameras aren't on or there's a commercial break, um, there's clearly pairs. Uh, Nikki and Christy are, 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 are a pair. Um, Vivek and Ron are a pair. I mean, they, they chatted and were chummy during every commercial break. And Tim Scott was just kind of off on his own. I mean, during breaks, he wandered off on his own. I don't know if he had to go find his girlfriend from another school, um, you know, and, and then he came back on his own. He only talked to himself. He did this weird thing. I don't know how much of it showed up on TV. I, I mean, I thought at times Vivek was going to have to call for a fair catch. Uh, he kept like wandering around his podium. There were times I almost felt like he was going to go to the leadership summit and like walk out onto the stage. And um, he was like off to the corner of his podium a lot of the time, including one moment where he was so far off, he was off mic and then had to be moved back. His, his cadence, I don't know how it came across on TV, but uh, it was just odd. I mean, his, his in-person presentation was just very odd. From the jump, uh, Christy and, and, and Nikki were flashing each other body signal signs all night long. I mean, when Vivek started it on her right away, Nikki gave a look over to Christy who nodded his head and they were both looking at each other like this bleeping guy. Okay. Um, they, they, they eye rolled and head nodded each other numerous times when Vivek and DeSantis spoke. Um, uh, that, that happened all throughout the evening. I thought that was interesting. Um, I, in terms of substance, I thought the debate moderators did the best job of any of the debates so far. There were clearly some issues our base cares about that were not addressed or adequately so, but at least all the issues were seriously so uh, addressed. Um, this was an adult conversation. There were numerous moments that both Vivek and Nikki wanted to get back in with last minute barbs and stuff, and the, they just didn't really allow that. They kept it mainly focused on uh, the issues. And I think people uh, at home that were watching were given a sorely needed adult conversation in the country. Uh, and so uh, I, this is what happens, you know, when, when, when the media comes in and hates us all, they actually do a better job than when media like Fox comes in and they're trying to pick the winner and they're trying to put, you know, put their thumb on the scale of, you know, who they prefer and who they don't. Everything gets really dumb and really slanted. Hey, I'm okay with the mainstream media doing our debates. They hate us all. In fact, go back and look at the questions that Fox asked in their debate last month. They asked questions more from a left premise yeah. in that debate than what you heard from NBC last night. So I thought it was a fair, I thought it was a fair fight and the moderators did a good job. I, I give them credit for that. Sat one thing that just on a personal level very much disappointed me, the, the largest applause that Nikki Haley got last night, and it was not even close, 
was that awful answer on baby killing that she gave. I mean, she basically just checked the box of every team GOP talking point for the last 40 years that's never won, wins no elections. Um, she Romneyed it, she McCained it, um, uh, she Glenn Youngkin'd it. I mean, this, they tried this in Virginia down the stretch here in the last few weeks and, and that blew up in their face. Uh, in fact, I had one very respected conservative leader uh, say to me after the debate, quote, and he was being sarcastic, quote, that was one of the best or the most eloquent pro-choice answers I've ever heard, end quote. It was just very, very disappointing to hear that crowd in that room. I mean, I don't know, maybe, you know, I don't know who makes up that room, how many are just GOP operatives. And so, you know, this is uh, orgasmic pornography to them because it's right out of their consultant talking point. But that just never works. I mean, every time, I don't know how many more times the uh, party of Lincoln has to try the Stephen Douglas position on uh, human indignity and have it blow up in their face. All that does is it diminishes your own pro-life base, but you get no you get no reverb on the other side. The other side is saying, boy, that's just really reasonable. That never happens. Okay, uh, let me say this one more time. Okay, if you're voting on abortion, are there a lot of people in the middle between where I am and where Planned Parenthood is on abortion? Absolutely. That's where most people are, in fact. But if you're voting on abortion, if that is the issue that brings you to the polls, then that means you are either where I am or you're where, you're where Planned Parenthood is. If you're in between us, it's not a driving issue to you and you largely don't care. That's why it doesn't work. That's why this appeasement never works. There's no middle to be found. And, and yes, Nikki, you are being judged. It's either you let them kill them all or you're a terrible person and, and hateful. There, it, there's never been a middle ground. This strategy's never worked. And so I felt like, you know, I saw Matt Walsh tweeted last night, Nikki Haley's the perfect candidate for 2004. I thought I was sitting in a room of GOP operatives from like 25 years ago. It felt like I was first, the first year of me doing my show, all the same arguments against all the same people, like we're doing this time warp all over again. The party of Lincoln just continues to think the Stephen Douglas ish, uh, position will suffice, and it won't. And I was just deeply on a personal level, just someone who cares deeply about life and whose own story is very similar to the one that Ron shared last night and has lots of stories in his family about that's similar to the story Ron shared last night. Just very deeply um, disappointed on a personal level to hear that awful answer get as applauded as it did. Not only is it just morally reprehensible, it's politically moronic. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, um, once again, you know, Ron DeSantis is Tony Gwynn. He's just consistent debate after debate uh, after debate. Now, again, if you want nothing but the show, hey, as Steve just said, and I pointed out right out of the gate, but I'll put it into context, of course, in terms of the show, the best answer that was given was Vivek. Heck, Spitting in NBC's face like that? Hey, I'm in. I'm in. Great answer. Here's the problem, once again, with where this has gone, not just in terms of Vivek, but this affects how everybody interprets DeSantis to the point that it clouds over the fact that they, like, what has this guy done in Florida? That seems almost irrelevant. Once again, I have no idea if Vivek actually believes what he said there. And neither do you, quite frankly. 
Nobody knows. He's been all over the place on so many issues. He gave a great answer. It does matter whether he believes it or not. It matters if it's true, which is the point about Nikki Haley's. People clapping for it. It makes him feel like, well, this seems... It's not true. Her answer, if you boil it down to what she said well i want to throw my baby into the volcano but you do you don't judge that's stupid that's also not true so that matters you love the style just like you loved it with vivek that's the problem what's true what's good what's beautiful if he i don't know if he believes it in her case i think she actually does believe it both cases not true Her case, very stupid. I also have the same take. Something was weird with Tim Scott. I don't know what that was. It was weird. So this showed up on camera too? Todd, this was on camera as well? You could sense it? Yes, and you use the term. I thought to myself the same thing. His cadence is very odd tonight, and he does seem to be wandering around. It it, it was strange. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, It was strange. Other thing I will say, and I, I'm clearly in the minority about this, I'm not giving the NBC any credit, not just because uh, uh, I loathe the press, and I do, but listen, this was the easiest debate to manage. There were five people on the stage. All of Everybody was giving longer time to answer, so they weren't going to get cut off as quickly. And for the most part, the only real bickering back and forth was between Vivek and uh, uh, Nikki Haley. Everybody else, when they went back and forth, even Ron and Nikki, you know, Ron does not want to go that way. He, you know, he he kept it uh, managed. So no, and th- and this was classic uh, uh, biased journalism in terms of the things that they just decided not to talk about, which are civilization killers, by the way. So no, I'm not giving them any credit. Nobody else should either. But I know I'm in the minority on that. But I'll come back to all that with Ron DeSantis. He's right there. Over and over again, he's right there. Look at his track record. Take him. If you choose not to take him and you come at me with style and substance stuff and you think you're a conservative or a Republican, I'm going to tell you to stick it where the sun don't shine because you're basically a teenage girl who just wants all the bells and whistles. You're not an adult. The guy's record of accomplishment and how he shows up to all these debates and just over and over again, no matter the topic, is as good as we could possibly hope in this moment. And you just won't, you just need something else. That's a you problem. I think overall, and you could say this about any of the debates thus far, I think if you are just in in this, and I mean in the arena, you're just a spectator, if you're just if this is just infotainment for you, Vivek is probably your guy. If this is just infotainment, if you're just here for the zany, if you're just here for the one-liners, Vivek is your guy. If you're serious, if you're a grown-up and an adult, seriously concerned about the future of the country and what to do about it and what country you're going to be leaving behind for your kids, I don't think there's any question Ron DeSantis is the guy. As Todd said, just the consistency and the inflappability that Ron DeSantis brings to the table. And you saw that again last night. Pivoting to his record, easily. He is just he's Teflon Ron. You cannot get him on basically anything. Nikki Haley tried to do that. It did not work out for her. 
because he just pivots. Hey, I actually disbanded that uh, commission. We actually banned Chinese Communist Party from buying land in Florida. What are you talking about? This is ridiculous. On the answer on Israel, hey, I actually got people out of harm's way. I'm the only person on stage to do that. That was recent. That was just a couple of weeks ago. He is inflappable. So if you're serious, he's your guy. If this is just infotainment, somebody like Vivek is probably your guy. And I'll just say this. I, I agree with everything that Vivek said about the RNC. And, you know, they would never, the Democrats would never have Greg Gutfeld moderate uh, a debate. He's right. That's absolutely yep. true. Yep. And I'm glad, they, I'm glad he said it to their faces. I really want to believe that Vivek is sincere. But I don't, want, I, I don't believe he is. I want to believe he's sincere. What it would mean for a millennial... A millennial, that's my generation. A millennial with that type of communication ability to be sincere and to be able to fearlessly go into the arena like that and say what needs to be said, that would be maybe a good sign for things to come in this party. But I don't believe he's sincere because he's taken numerous sides of almost every single issue. So I, I just don't find him sincere. And instead, I, what I fear if I were a Vivek Stan or if I were on Vivek's team, is I'm trying to look at this from the average GOP caucus goer in Iowa. The jab about the Dick Cheney and three-inch heels thing, that makes sense if you're very online and very into the infotainment. Yep. To the average Iowa GOP caucus goer, they don't know what the hell he's talking about. And he kind of sounds crazy. Mm -hmm. And there are other moments where he just comes off as, I'm sorry, but manic. Despite the fact that he is articulate, he just his his mannerism and his delivery, even though he is articulate, even though he's forceful, it just comes off as a little bit out there and a little annoying, I think, if you're an average GOP caucus goer. So I I didn't catch that from Tim Scott, what you were what you were talking about. I do believe his cadence, his delivery is just a little bit off. Really loved his closing remarks, though. Yeah, there was one, we don't have time to get into it now. There was one moment with Vivek on the pro-life thing that I think kind of encapsulates him as a candidate. He gave a great answer, but then didn't actually answer his position on the policy. And then where was he during the entire Ohio campaign? I don't remember him ever doing anything for issue one in Ohio, even though he gave a great answer. So there you go. on the Steve Day Show. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over at Jace Medical. Remember, we brought them on board in originally in response to the uh, really the bastardization of venerable medications uh, at a time that we needed them. And Jace wanted to make sure that maybe the next time we have an emergency, uh, there's not other venerable award-winning uh, medications that suddenly are now deemed too dangerous to consume right when they may or may not actually work. Right now, though, Jace is concerned about something even more practical that's going on right now, and that's critical shortages of essential drugs. That's happening right here 
in the U.S. that's causing severe disruptions in medical treatments that results in delays, treatment cancellations, even the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. That's why the Jace case that we've been telling you about here for the past year or so, you can customize it now. You can customize the Jace case for your specific medical needs to have peace of mind to know that you've got backup just in case. And yes, ivermectin can be part of your customized Jace case, all right? So go to jacemedical.com, enter the code DACE at checkout for a discount on your order. J-A-S-E, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com, enter code DACE at checkout for a discount on your order, and that's the promo code DACE at jacemedical, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Well, you may have heard about a tragic story from the state of Alabama, a pastor living a double life took his own life, and it's being framed by the corporate media in ways that I know you'll be shocked to hear may not be entirely accurate. Brian Dawson is with the outlet that first broke this story, 1819 News down there in the state of Alabama. Brian, it's good to have you on the show, brother. How are you? Man, I'm doing well. Glad to be here. Glad to finally get my uh, you know, first voyage on the Steve Day Show. Well, it is good to have you with us. First of all, tell us a little bit about 1819 News. What do you guys do? Yeah, so we're a statewide, state-focused news and multimedia company uh, with the express purpose of taking out AL.com, which is the uh, left-leaning media outlet or paper of record in the state of Alabama. Uh, They're radical leftists owned by people uh, on the coast, a group in New York, uh, basically foisting liberal uh, thoughts and opinions and worldview uh, into a dark red state. uh, And that's all the people really had and so we wanted to create a news uh, and multimedia outlet to um, to serve the people and and to uh, tell the truth uh, no matter where it leads so uh, we've got uh, an online written publication that basically functions as a digital newspaper uh, we've got a syndicated radio show uh, we've got magazine we've got podcasts we've got so it's a it's a complete multimedia thing um, with you know we're, we're in pursuit of a free and flourishing Alabama we're trying to make sure the people of Alabama know what's going on in their state uh, so that they can participate in their civic duties uh, in an informed manner. Excellent. And and so basically you're doing what there ought to be a version of this in every state in the country and the creation of a, a statewide media outlet with the intent of uh, hitting people from the right via the media as opposed to from the left. So I love it. Correct. So you guys were the first to break this story. What's the story all right, that you broke and then why did you think it was newsworthy? Sure. So last Monday, October 30th, a tip was given to us that the mayor of Smith Station and pastors, uh, he was a pastor of First Baptist Church, Phoenix City, uh, Bubba Copeland, was living a double life as a trans person posting graphic photos dressed in drag, encouraging young people to transition, and writing extremely graphic homoerotic trans fantasy on public forums. We spoke to him uh, after a few back and forths. He admitted that it was indeed him in the photos that uh, it dressed in drag and also writing that fiction. Uh, as we published stories and continued to dig, we found that he published a homoerotic story uh, of stalking a woman and assumed her identity through transing so he could kill her and have sex with her husband. Turns out the woman he stalked and murdered in this fiction uh, was actually a real person in Phoenix City business owner uh, that was close friends with his wife, this slasher fiction fantasy story was published on a public porn blog by a public figure. Uh, He was also posting pictures of children on porn sites. Children were not nude or involved in sexual behavior, uh, but they were posted on a meme 
uh, and this meme that was posted on Reddit and also on a porn blog had a picture of a 14-year-old boy and a 17-year-old girl. And the the 14-year-old boy, it was meant to make it look like the boy was transitioning into this girl. Well, it was two separate children from the community, okay, and did not have the parents' permission. And the meme read, take the shot, get the implants, become the whore. And last Friday, uh, around 4.30, a well check was called in for Copeland and Lee County Sheriff's deputies identified his car and attempted to stop the vehicle. This turned into a low-speed pursuit. Once Copeland stopped, we've been told uh, that he got out of the car brandishing a pistol uh, and shot himself, uh, ending his life. So that is the what happened, uh, the why we published it. So the very first story, obviously once we published the first story, people began to reach out to us with even more. But based on the information we had in order to make the decision to publish the first story, why was this newsworthy? So you have a, a double public figure. You have a civil magistrate, an elected official, a mayor of a, a, an, an up-and-coming town uh, in Alabama, uh, and is definitely has a conservative persona about being a public figure. You know, there's pictures of him with Donald Trump, uh, who was there visiting when a tornado came through, but he's also uh, the pastor of First Baptist Church. So you have an elected official and also an ecclesiastical leader, which is a pastor. Both of those things are under journalistic oversight. So that is fair game in that regard. But the things that he was posting were also on public forums. And so you have double public figure posting things on public forums. And that is, you know, that right there is enough for it to be fair game. But if it was just a small town mayor dressing up in his wife's clothes in his living room is that a story i mean you could make the case but we're probably not going to touch it but what it really boiled down to for us was um the fact that he was a pastor of a baptist church in alabama um and had this uh extreme double life uh and persona where he was writing um crazy homoerotic friction that i i can't even talk about the things that were said in this writing um, really, really bad. Um, posting the pictures uh, with the, um, you know, the the memes for tra- encouraging children to transition, with pictures of children on the memes, uh, on top of the uh, the drag, and and the drag was pretty pretty bad. Um, so, what it boiled down to in the decision making process, um, you know, Jeff Poor, my editor in chief, and I. You know, Monday we got the story, we investigated it. Tuesday we began to put the story together and continued investigating. At about 9 p.m. Tuesday night, Jeff and I went back and forth playing devil's advocate and deliberating uh, whether we should publish the story. And it really came down to a couple of different things. And, and, and the primary one is I am a member of a Baptist church. Jeff is a member of a Baptist church. It, you know, we tie that these churches, uh, our children are in these churches if our pastor was doing this, would we want to know? And the answer is obviously yes. And it, and it boiled down to the question, what happens if we do the story? We knew, you know, it could get crazy, but what happens if we don't? And that was really the question uh, that led us to say, we, you know, we have, we have a responsibility to the people of Alabama, the people of Phoenix City, the people of Smith Station uh, to report on this. And, and, and I think one more point I'll add is this was brought to us like the, you know, this will be really hard to believe, as you said, uh, that the left leaning, uh, mainstream media is basically painting us out to be, um, you know, training hunters or something in the same way that they make cops. Like they wake up in the morning and they go hunt down black people. Um, this, this story was brought to us by a source and it was put in our lap and we had to do our due diligence and make a decision. 
So you basically uncovered a predator slash groomer who I, I at at the at the worst was fantasizing about acting out as such and just had yet to substantively do so, but was acting was was fantasizing to the point of actually putting it in written form. That's essentially what you uncovered. And that's largely being neglected in the various media reports about this story around the country that people are seeing. They're making it look like a bunch of uh, fundies in Alabama exposed this poor guy uh, who, you know, uh, uh, you know, just likes to go Colonel Klinger in the privacy of his own home. Why'd you pick on this poor victim? In reality, um, he was fantasizing about creating victims, actually. Yes. Yeah. And that that is the um, kind of the the. There's a joke about you, you, you know, when you're in college and you have a terrible answer and the professor looks at you and said, you obviously didn't do the reading. You obviously didn't do the reading. And it is mm-hmm. so apparent that the people who are coming after us, and again, I'm talking death threats, docs, pictures of my family up all over social media with my address posted underneath with my seven children, uh, doxing the reporter who did this, doxing Jeff, doxing our offices. We've got, you know, extra security in the office right now uh, because of the response uh, the irresponsible response to our reporting on this, um, it's obvious they didn't do the reading. They saw a headline that, um, you know, guy that dresses up as a woman um, gets outed, right? I guess that's like some thing in their community outing is like the cardinal sin. I didn't even know what that was until all this happened. Uh, he was outed and then he killed himself, ergo Brian guilty of murder. What's the lesson here, Brian? What what? What's the lesson here moving forward do you think our audience should take away from what's going on with this story? The lesson is unless you're willing to um, go through the onslaught that it takes to do the right thing, we're never, ever, ever going to gain any ground culturally uh, in this nation. We're never going to uh, – every, every meaningful piece of ground gained in the culture war uh, – in, in a real war, it, there's a firefight. And in the culture war, it's the same. And, you know, we're beginning to see where the idols really are um, when we do. And I would argue if you go back and look how we did this entire thing, it was completely buttoned up with our attorneys and everything. We did exactly what we were supposed to do. Uh, could not have done anything better. If I had it all to do over again, I would have done it exactly how we did it. Um, and this is the response. Uh, and, and it's absolute insanity. Um, so I think the, the biggest lesson to be learned is that, um, we're going to have to toughen up and we're going to have to have thick skin because if we're going to stand up, uh, and do what's right, uh, you know, there was a a story in which I tell, um, about a a pastor friend of mine, uh, in North Carolina, his, his, his father was, uh, a world war II pilot in Iwo Jima and he was shot down. His airplane was ripped to shreds. Uh, and uh, crashed into the the Pacific Ocean in enemy territory, and by the grace of God, he was rescued uh, by Americans, into which he got into another plane and continued flying and fighting. They were built different back then. I met him uh, a few years ago before he passed, and he came up to me um, when I was looking at a model of a P-51 Mustang uh, in his living room, and he he looked at me and he says, Brian, there's coming. there was a time when we did what was right, even if they shot bullets at us. Brian, there's coming a time in your life when you're going to have to do what's right, even if they shoot bullets at us. And so that would be the lesson that, that I would like to give to, to your audience and, and, and to your listeners, 
is that this is what we're up against. We have to do what's right no matter what, even if they shoot bullets at us. Amen, brother. Very well said, Brian. Thank you very much for hopping on here, for the work you guys are doing, for breaking this story, for exposing a predator and a groomer, and taking the slings and arrows and setting that example as well, man. Thank you very much. Give the website a plug here real quick before we let you go. Yeah, go to 1819news.com. You can go there, uh, check it out, especially specifically if you live in Alabama, subscribe to the newsletter. Consider supporting us financially. Uh, You can become a member. Uh, Also, on the podcasting platforms, go to 1819news, the podcast, wherever podcasts are found, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Rumble, YouTube kicked us off. Nice folks over there at YouTube. We got kicked off pretty early on, actually, so pretty proud of that. Congrats, man. Thank you very much. Thanks, Steve. You bet. Quick apologies there. We had uh, a little technical issue with the double Skype connection, but I think you heard what with the some of the, the crackling there. I think you heard the gist of uh, more than the gist of what he had to say. I'll, I'm going to get Todd and Aaron's, particularly Todd with his background working in corporate media uh, reaction in just a moment after we tell you about our friends over at Preborn, an outstanding pro-life ministry that has been fighting the good fight and has been it has been preparing for the post row era all along and they've understood that eventually if we ever got a row overturned this was not going to be an up here political or legal battle this was now going to be a down here heart to heart confrontation with the spirit of the age vying for these women that are in a crisis situation i mean let's face it if you're married in, in a secure fulfilling relationship you're probably not considering an abortion it's the women like my mom when she was pregnant at 14 the women who aren't in those situations that usually are so they first confront those moms with the ultrasound of their baby. And what they have found over many years is 80% of the time, those moms will not go through with killing their child. But then they understand that that mom is still in a difficult crisis situation. So they're there with prenatal care, postnatal care, even counseling. All of this also uh, free of charge, provided they have tax deductible donations and funding from people like you and I. Go to preborn.com slash Steve to make a tax deductible donation today. Did you know it's just 28 bucks for one of those ultrasounds? Would you would you spend 28 bucks for 80% chance that you're going to save a human life today? You can do that by going to preborn.com slash Steve. Again, head over to preborn.com slash Steve. Help them not just save babies, but also souls. So, gentlemen, your thoughts, Todd, starting with you on the conversation we just had with the 1819 News out of Alabama. Well, once again, this is why I don't give the press any quarter. This, our schools are filled right now across the country with this guy. All right. But when he's, in this case, they use him as a lamentation, but in the schools, It's step on the gas. You must believe. You must believe. This is what they're doing right now in Iowa and other places with the whole book banning kind of thing. They they told us explicitly which books we had to have our children read. They were pornographic. If you don't uh, let your children read them, uh, you're a terrible bigot. They told us the ones that we had to read. People say, no, I don't think so. We're taking those out of the school. And now in taking books out with quote unquote explicit material, they're taking out the color purple with a rape scene and things like that. And they're saying, we need more guidance because we just don't know now. This is the game they always play. Now our, our schools are filled with this kind, uh, these kind of people. They have, they've been going in this direction for a long time. The plan has been going on along as the priest's uh, scandal, which was real. 
abuse happened, and then there was a cover-up, but all along they kept calling that uh, pedophilia. It almost never was pedophilia then. It was pederasty. These are homosexual men grooming post-pubescent males in almost every case. That was the truth. It's bad, but that's what it was. Now we actually have the grooming of four, five, six-year-olds. But they use this clown for victimization? That's why I don't give the press a pass. There, There is darkness there that does not sleep, Boromir. Yeah, I think this is greatly encapsulated. Something I saw just yesterday. The uh, Rotten Tomatoes audience score versus critic score for Sound of Freedom juxtaposed with the audience score versus critic score for the uh, Netflix film Cuties. Just completely flipped. I think that's Hmm. indicative of what you're talking about, Todd. When we come back, Theology Thursday, the largest Christian church in the world, has issued a statement on the gender debate. We're going to parse it, break it down, and discuss it for Theology Thursday. And podcast. Steve Dace here. One more hour from Miami overlooking the Atlantic Ocean here. I was uh, the guest of the DeSantis campaign. I was uh, part of their debate team this week. This uh, week, uh, I got to sit next to the uh, First Lady of Florida last night and uh, be a part of the spin room last night, or as I like to call it, just telling people what I really think. All right. So really enjoyed it, but uh, it's time to head back home. I mean, this is beautiful country. Our buddy Jordan Schachtel got on me for complaining about the humidity. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful, but I'm a Midwesterner, guys. November, I mean, I, I, I got to be, you know, fear and winter. It just doesn't seem natural right now. Now, January or February, I might be calling DeSantis campaign back and say, hey, sure, you guys don't need me to come back down here some more. Okay. Uh, but uh, right now, I'm in autumn mode. And I'm ready to return home and see all you guys again, as well as the family. So I'm heading out right after the show today. Todd and Aaron will do the overtime. I've got to catch a flight home. So you'll have uh, the overtime with them today at blazetv.com slash dace. Don't forget, you can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Take advantage of that by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and uh, Gab. You can also like and follow me uh, at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. Again, that's D-E-A-C-E. If you're a podcast listener, please leave a five-star review. Help us get over 10,000 of those. We would appreciate it. And uh, you can also uh, hit subscribe, or in the case of iTunes, follow. So that way, every time we do a new episode, it shows up in your feed every single time. Speaking of, uh, I want to get back into autumn mode. You know, November is one of the best sports months of the year. The World Series goes into November now. College football hits the peak of the season with rivalries and conference championships. The NFL's in high gear. College basketball is getting started as well. Tons of great sports, man. Not to mention tons of great food, which can also be a curse, which means is there anything better than just sitting in the perfect chair, taking it all in? And and you could even just like roll the chair all the way back flat like a bed. So like you're in that chair all day gorging on games, provided you 
put your work in as a man during the week, of course. I don't want Todd coming after me. That's a that's an automatic. You put the work in, you put the hours in during the week. Then if there's a Saturday or Sunday and you're like, man, I, I, I earned the rest. And so I'm going to spend the rest of that time. I'm going to watch tons of games. And then I'm literally just going to pass out asleep right here. There's a chair that will let you do all of that, in fact. All right. It's the perfect sleep chair. Uh, and to put it simply, it's the best chair money can buy to settle in for a long day of game watching or a long winter's nap. It's made by Journey Health and Lifestyle. Journey's been making health and home products for well over 20 years, based right out of D.C. Don't hold that against them, though, because they have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. And these chairs are absolutely awesome. I've got one in the house. It does recline all the way back like a bed, man. You could just sit there and watch games all day long. And then you're like, all right, man, I'm tapping out. Just going to recline this thing all the way and I'll see you in the morning. All right. So if you're looking for the best chair to watch uh, your favorite team this fall, head to shop dot shop, or I'm sorry, shopjourney.com slash Steve and use the promo code Steve at checkout for $125 off your order. That's $125 off your order if you go to shopjourney.com and use my slash Steve and use my code Steve. Shopjourney.com slash Steve. Use my code Steve for the discount at shopjourney.com slash Steve. All right, let's get to Theology Thursday. And I don't know that we've actually ever done a Theology Thursday quite like this before. But uh, we were we were uh, we were discussing this before the show and thought, you know what, this would be something we should be talking about on the air. But uh, this week, the world's largest Christian church, the Catholic Church, released a definitive statement on uh, where the church currently stands on the issues of gender, gender confused, salvation, baptism, etc. We want to break that statement down. Here's how I, I, I just made the decision, guys, and I haven't told you yet. Here's how we're going to do this. Okay. Aaron, you're going to read through the statement. Todd, as the resident Catholic on the show, plus I think this will be better with me on Skype, so we don't have to worry about the delay, okay? Todd, I want you to interject when certain terms need to, you, you know, for the, for the broader audience, need to be understood and defined, all right? And things need to be clarified. I want us to get through the whole statement that way one time, all right? So Aaron going through the statement, and then Todd, you explaining what things mean, all right, I want to make sure we give no bias here. All right, everybody knows I'm 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 on the Martin Luther side of the argument, and Todd's on the other one. So I want to make sure what's presented here is done in the full context of what is said. And then once that is once that's established, then I'll chime in with my thoughts, and we'll get going with the larger conversation of what we think of the statement itself. Is that fair? It is fair. First of all, just warning to you, since your social media and email following is infinitely larger than mine, just beware that since now you've already said that the Catholic Church is the largest Christian church in the <laughs> yeah, world, expect to be told how pagan that is and that you must correct yourself, Steve. I hear you. But I mean, if I if I stop saying things because I'm going to get criticism in this line of work, I'd have left it a long time ago. But I hear you. Go ahead. Yes. All right, shall we begin? And I, I think we uh, should begin by defining one word that comes up frequently in this piece. This is a news story from VaticanNews.va, transsexual and homosexual persons and the sacraments. There's a word that I asked how to pronounce, dicastry, am I saying De that? Dicastry. 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 What's a dicastry? It, it's a, it's a, a teaching 
body of the church. This one uh, specifically gives guidance uh, to the bishoprics across the world, which again, is the it, it, each diocese uh, has a bishop. Uh, uh, bishops, ultimately a group of bishops are appointed cardinals, which are the governing um legislative body as it were that's i use that term as loosely as possible but th this is the specific vatican teaching policy uh, board to give explanation to the bishops across the world all right that's good uh, context because that word and uh, this council comes up uh, multiple times in this piece again this is from vaticannews.va transsexual and homosexual persons and the sacraments subheadline the dicus, the uh, dicastery uh, for the doctrine of the faith responds to questions concerning the participation of transsexual persons and persons with same-sex attraction in the sacraments of baptism and matrimony and related ceremonies. One one thing here, it, uh, the, the, this instantly got a lot of the people pointing it out to me. Taste online, what? This is classic Francis confusion. But one point when you see these two things mentioned up think because it'll just help you could free to disagree at the end think sinners because that's what we're talking about the state of sin you are in and what that means for participating in the church because the same thing would apply to the divorced on some level the you know all manner of sexual sin and sin otherwise and the degree to which a murder and the degree to which a murder occur could potentially participate in the sacraments of the church depending on his level of repentance okay i think that'll help you read through this and steve has made great points about this in the past about homosexuality homosexuality isn't a sin because it's icky you know it's it, it, we cause confusion about what we obsess over so we're talking about sin ultimately at the end of the day. All right, so the story reads, transsexual persons, even if they have undergone hormone therapy or sex reassignment surgery, may receive the sacrament of baptism if there are no situations in which there's a risk of generating public scandal or confusion among the faithful. The children of homosexual couples should be baptized even if they are born from a surrogate mother, provided there is a well-founded hope that they will be educated in the Catholic faith. These clarifications were issued on Wednesday as in response to questions submitted by the uh, Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, or DDF, by Bishop Jose Negri of Santo Amaro, Brazil. The document signed by Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernandez, the prefect of the DDF, and approved by Pope Francis on the 31st of October, answered six questions concerning the possible participation of transsexual and homoaffective persons in the sacraments of baptism and matrimony. The answers repropose, in substance, the fundamental co contents of which has already been affirmed in the past by the dicastery concerning these matters. The DDF affirmed that transsexual persons, whether adults, children, or adolescents, can be baptized, provided they are well-prepared and willing, and that there is no occasion of scandal. In the case of doubts about the objective moral situation in which a person finds themselves or concerning their subjective disposition towards grace, and so also in situations where there does not appear to be an intention to amend, the DDF proposed certain considerations. The church teaches that when the sacrament of baptism is received without repentance for grave sins, the subject does not receive sanctifying grace, although they do receive the sacramental character, as we read in the Catechism. 
The indelible character remains forever in the Christian as a positive disposition towards grace. Quoting from St. Thomas and St. Augustine, the, the, the dicastery recalls that Christ continues to seek the sinner, and when repentance comes, the sacramental character already received immediately disposes one to receive grace. This is why, according to the document, Pope Francis has repeatedly said that the church is not, not a toll house, and especially with regard to baptism, the door should not be closed to anyone. The question of whether a transsexual person can receive as a godfather or godmother a bap at baptism is more complicated. The dicastery says that this can be allowed under certain conditions, while noting that being a godparent is not a right. Therefore, it said, pastoral prudence demands that it should not be allowed if there's a danger of scandal, undue legitimization, or confusion in the educational sphere of the ecclesial community. Concerning the possibility of a transsexual person serving as a witness to marriage, the dicastery noted that there is nothing in current universal canonical legislation, and therefore it is permissible. The DDF document went on to address several issues concerning homoaffective person, that is, persons who experience an exclusive or predominant sexual attraction towards person of persons of the same sex. The question was asked whether the children of homoaffective parents can be baptized even if they were adopt, adopted or conceived through other methods such as surrogate motherhood. The dicastery replied, in order for the child to be baptized, there must be a well-founded hope that he or she will be brought up in the Catholic religion, citing the code of canon law. The document then addressed the case of a homosexual and cohabitating person who asks to be the godfather or godmother of a person to be baptized. The dicastery said that in order to be a godparent, the person must leave a life in conformity with the faith and the task he or she assumes. The case is different when two homosexual persons are involved in a relationship that does not consist simply of cohabitation, but in a stable and declared relationship with more uxario, I don't know what that word is, Todd, after the fashion of marriage, that is more well known to the community. The Dicastery for the Doctrine of Faith said that due prudence is necessary in such cases in order to be a safeguard or in order to safeguard the sacrament of baptism and especially its reception, which is a precious good to be protected since it is necessary for salvation. The Dicastery went on to say that the consideration of the genuine value of the ecclesial community places on the duties of the godmother and godfather the role they play in the community and the consideration they demonstrate with regard to the church's teaching is also required. The document suggested the possibility that another person from the family circle might ask, act as a guarantor of the correct transmission of the Catholic faith to the baptized person. Further, it noted that the church also offers the possibility, besides being a godparent, of assisting the baptismal rite as a witness to the act of baptism. In response to a final question, the dicastery said there is nothing to prevent a homoaffective person from being a witness to a marriage, even if that person is cohabitating. That's the end of the story. Well, all right, Tom, you, didn't, you didn't interrupt him to clarify anything at all. Why? Because you two are not only smart, but more importantly, very, very fair when it comes to this. And ultimately, I'm interested in what you have to say, because I think you will bring um uh, legitimate criticisms understandable criticisms fair uh criticisms while also understanding why uh confusion unnecessary confusion comes into play that uh 
needs to cl be uh, cleared up. The, the, the ifs and the buts are, are the gigantic 400-pound gorillas in the room uh, on this thing. Mm -hmm. I, I th think you will say like this is this is going to be misinterpreted and abused. I absolutely mm -hmm. understand that and believe that, which is not to say that there is isn't thoughtful material in here that should be parsed about how we deal with sinners in terms of participation in the church because we're all sinners these are unique types of sins perhaps graver than all the others and i won't argue with that but that's why i made the a point i made at the beginning all of us are broken at what point does our brokenness confronted enough to the point that we and steve has made this point brilliantly in the past because you know how who are you to to get in and counsel me on anything knowing your past well then who gets to who gets to? Because we're all sinners. So that's my context. I'll interject for you two now. That's going to okay. be more interesting. But I think I'm not worried, even when we disagree, about what you two are going to say, because you're going to be thoughtful and you're not going to be uh, jingoistic and hysterical. So the first question so, I... Go ahead, Steve. No, I was just going to say, before we get there, let's tell you about our friends over at Patriot Mobile. Uh, they are, because I did jot some things down as Aaron was reading. Maybe people saw me writing some things down. So I wanted to make sure I remembered them as they were being said and not out of context. But before we get there, uh, our friends over at Patriot Mobile, uh, they've been the leader one of the leaders in the building of the necessary but still not yet fully realized parallel economy. Thankfully, one place where it is fully accessible to us is with one device we all need to use in this day and age, and that's our mobile phones. If you want to make the switch today, and you do, they have an outstanding customer service team. We've had to use them several times since we made the switch two years ago, and they have done a great job absolutely every single time. Highly recommend them. Uh, they give you access to every major network out there. You can switch anytime you want for free. And, and you get the peace of mind of knowing that you're not giving your money directly to people who hate you. So uh, if you want to make the switch today, here's how you do it. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. That's patriotmobile.com slash Steve. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you go to make the switch and they'll make sure to give you even more incentives and, and, and thank yous for your service. For the rest of us, you get a free activation code with the offer code Steve at patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Again, head over to patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. All right, Aaron, I jotted some things down, but obviously, man, you're chomping at the bit, so go ahead. So my first question is, what is baptism in the Catholic Church, Todd? Well, I think it was interesting in there because it points out the uh, difference. When I, when I said in the past uh, uh, on the show, and I don't even remember... The, uh, Steve was talking about his personal story, and uh, I, the part that he mentioned that I did not read. Oh, it was about his altar call at um, uh, Promise you, Keepers. Promise Keepers. But I, uh, he's told me this and others this story before. I didn't realize that he had been baptized before that. And I mentioned, well, that's 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 interesting to me. But what seed did that plant? And people then came back, and we had, there was a discussion about. Uh, what what baptism is and and if you do if you do if you do not if you're an adult getting baptized 
you, just like with any sacrament, it, uh, uh, marriage is the same. If you not, if you are not completely uh, open to it, the Eucharist as well. If you are uh, have have not dealt with your sin, the sacrament is not uh, fully efficacious. Which is not to say, as I said, that the seed is not planted for what may or may not happen uh, down the road. The, 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 the church teaches is that, uh, but the, the baptismal rite is the gateway into the church. Bro- and it believes that broadly speaking, it, and so it does not. It does not say that a a uh, a, a baptism that you two have received what, at whatever point in your life that is less. It, it's not a Catholic baptism. They believe that is a baptism. It it, it is the the conduit uh, into uh, the church and the uh, b- both the public acknowledgement uh, and internal start to what you began in acknowledging Christ as your Lord and Savior. Okay. All right. That was an excellent first question, Aaron, because you don't even realize that that actually is the gateway to all the other questions I was about to ask. Okay. So we got 10 minutes. I want to get through these as fast as possible, Todd, if, if we can. Yeah. All right. Explain to me why public scandal is, is, is mentioned more than once as a standard for what the church determines it will apply here when it comes to grace. What's funny that it keeps bringing up because that's all that the Pope in his leadership creates is public scandal. That's a uh, problem with this. Uh, But it's taken within the context of what it's trying to explain here. It's like, does it, the point, starting out at the very beginning, can a, do we all believe it is possible that somebody who has trans themselves can genuinely repent and become a Christian. Like the well, I, I, that's that's why I'm asking. Yeah. If you do, then what what's it matter if it would cause a public scandal or if they've engaged in a public scandal? I don't I don't understand that standard. I, that's that's why I'm asking. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, if we if we fully believe that they can become a Christian, I do. But it's a 400-pound gorilla in the room because that's easy. Can, can, yes, can a mass murderer ultimately repent to become a Christian? Yes. Mm-hmm. Does that often happen? You know, right. it does. Yeah. Okay. But it's it's hard. So, uh, but then, it but then do you? Sh- but th- then do you just throw that out? Is there not still questions to be asked? Very practical yeah. questions about: Does the church understand this? Do they know their level of repentance? Because we are all part of a body. And so I think it's a real question to be asked. Do you, do you just throw this out there willy-nilly, which is what the Pope always does, and it does nothing but cause scandal? How many times was the word repentance said in that document? It's never uttered once. Well, now you can say it's maybe assumed, right? People wouldn't go through, they wouldn't be administered the sacrament without a statement of repentance. But this is this this goes why I let off with asking about public scandal. I, 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 if we're going to have this many well, specific, it is, words, let's be fair. Repentance is is mentioned once. At it is mentioned. Once. Yeah, I, I, okay. I just, it's a good question. I couldn't. It's still I, a good. Legit. I couldn't remember. But adult, we're talking about in the case yeah. of adult pa- baptism. Adult baptism 
is is not possible without repentance. Right. I assume that to the learned, this is a, this is an assumption that it's required to perform the sacrament. But if you're giving this detailed of a statement, I it would seem to me you'd highlight it more than making it an assumption. Fair. How fair, does, fair. How 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 could uh, a child demonstrate that they are well prepared and willing for baptism? How would a child demonstrate that? Well, that's a different story than an ad an adult. I agree, but that's that's is that not wording in the document, Aaron? That provided the child that can can demonstrate that they're uh, well prepared and willing to go through with baptism. How would a child demonstrate that? Did I take that out of context? I believe that's I, in I order think for the child to be baptized. There must be a well-founded hope that he or she will be brought up in the Catholic religion. That's one part. That that's the that's that, the but that's a separate question I have in a second. But keep going. Okay. Yeah, but they're well prepared and willing for baptism. Is that not in there? Let me try to find it here. I thought they were, uh, were talking about from the par the parents doing their due diligence. But again, there's a lot in there, and I could have. That's my question. I don't. I, yeah, I which mean, is I didn't. The, which is the huge 400 pound gorilla in case in the case of baptizing the child of gay parents, which is. Well, yeah. that's my next question. How would how would homosexual parents demonstrate exactly? So let's assume that let's assume that it's the parent vouching for the child. Okay. All right. Again, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not here to argue. You know, uh, infant baptism, that's a broader point that even some Protestants actually agree with you on this point. OK, but 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 if you're assuming that that's transferred by the parents, then as custodians, that they're vouching for you're them in a right. relationship, then explain how would homosexual parents demonstrate that their children will be brought up in the church? How would Th how would homosexual parents demonstrate? This that? is why in my tweet about this, I said we are in angels dancing on the head of a pin territory because, yes, the child should not be made to suffer for the sin of Correct. others. We want Correct. to give a, assuming we believe, and I know the, the saving grace of baptism, the saving grace period, we want that child, but how is it possible? You are absolutely right, Steve, that that, that unless, unless they, you know, again, we have to ask the question, we almost have to create the circumstance, Steve, where they, they were in sin when they adopted this child. They are his parents, but maybe they have repented down the road. That's why I mentioned how many times was the word repentance used. Yes. That should be reinforced repeatedly. How many scriptures are invoked in that, in what you just read, Aaron? Are, are cited or quoted? They, they quoted St. Thomas and St. Augustine. But no scripture but, but that no I no scripture say. cited or quoted at all. Well, that that is a typical like like people always talk about the Catechism of Catholic the Catholic the Catechism of the Catholic Church is just absolutely littered with with scripture. So I don't I don't think that's an a Protestants and I don't think that's what you're doing. But Protestants automatically so why, uses why some, we, We're having this debate. Here's all they had to do was just simply say. Uh, in the beginning, he created them, male and female. He created them. All right. That is the created order that the, the, we're having this yep. debate. Go ahead. You want to no, but no, but that's the pro I wish you were right. But that's why we have to almost backfill all. Of we live in an absurd world now where we do have transgendered people and we do have gay couples uh, who adopt children. That should not happen. And I don't, I, we all, but let's, we have to then fill in. How do we deal with that? If in either circumstance, they genuinely repent, are sorry for their sins, but still are, are physically 
altered and or legally the custodians of this child. How do we deal with that as a church? That's a mess. And this is trying to deal with what is utterly impossible uh, impossible and it may get it wrong in parts about this i fully acknowledge but it's not as simple as just saying that because look at the world we're dealing with we're chopping up our bodies gay people are adopting children it's a tragedy but we do believe that they are sinners who by the grace of god can be and that's why this is all as i said it's a deeply theoretical uh how many angels would dance on a head of pit statement that when you get into the actual mess of the real people who live those lives, good luck. See, this is the, my next question. Maybe this is a better question. Who is baptism for in the Catholic Church? Because the reason why we as Protestants, most Protestants, read this document, we say that that is anathema to us because baptism is an act of obedience after the moment of salvation. Yeah. For the believer, right. For the believer. Yep. That's why this is anathema to us. Well, it's, I, this is always fascinating to me because this is where things get flipped on their hit, head, in my estimation, just like with with Sola Scriptura, but something that Catholics see as so obvious as saying, this is my body and this is my blood. And we take that literally, and you guys take that figuratively. It's, it, it's the same thing the, the, the that puts a lot of onus it's an interesting from a protestant perspective on right, the, on the individual earth todd that you're literally an up you know you don't i mean this you don't believe you're made of iodine we just think those things are metaphorical no, terms. Yeah. i agree but that's what's interesting so interesting the catholics are often the ones that are blamed for not being literal Enough, and I, I just think it's fascinating how this gets uh, turned in that same the same the same regarding baptism. This puts where where the uh, the 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 the, the, um, the um, sinner um, the sin from Protestant perspective um, original no not original sin um, I'm missing the terminology, but that. You put a lot of onus on the individual in this mm -hmm. case, whereas we're like their decision where where most of the times you're like all decisions of individuals clear. are irredeemable. We're un, we're we're, we're I want to make it clear. I'm not, I'm not arguing about this over this document from my perspective, but from what I understand of a Catholic perspective. Yes, that's why I try to ask questions from all a fair. Catholic perspective. And they've all been how fair. Would a gay, how would a homosexual couple demonstrate that their children will be raised up in the church? Why is there more terminology Absolutely. referring to concern about public scandal than repentance? Okay, so those are things if I were Catholic or even a Christian of any stripe, I'd be very concerned uh, about how those things are proven or demonstrated. So obviously, if you're just listening to theology, there's like 15 different participles out there. So after I sign off here at the top of the hour, Todd and Aaron are going to hang out, and uh, that's going to be today's overtime, is uh, trying to dot some more I's and cross some more T's with the Vatican's statement on uh, 
on gender madness uh, today. So you can look forward to that at blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace. Our friends at Constitution Wealth, they're looking forward to helping more of you in our audience align your principles with your portfolio. You can be both profitable and prophetic with their help. They've already aligned millions of dollars of prosperity in our audience uh, that way. And they think there's a lot more of you that can take what you've done with the gifts God has given you and you can take those rewards now and put them to good use in the spiritual battle that's happening in America right now. Your financial decisions, help them to be influenced by your personal convictions, passions, and values, all right? And they understand there that when you invest with your core values, you're gonna benefit both financially and personally. And that's why that Constitution Wealth will align your money with your values, all right? If you wanna get started today, constitutionwealth.com slash Steve is where you can go. Constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. Sign up for a free consultation today at constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. All right, it is time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. There she is. Uh, the young woman who is about to celebrate her last inexpensive Christmas because she's got a <laughs> child on the way and the cost of Christmas only goes up from here. How are you doing, Princess? Good. How are you doing, Dad? I, I know you're I know, I'm good. I know you like sitting in that chair. I know you like I it do. quite a bit. Don't, it looks good on me. It does look good on you. The time will come, but that time has not yet arrived. The time <laughs> will come. All right, let's get to it. You've got three non-political questions for us, sweetie. Go ahead. So my first question for you is, what is a faith perspective or a faith belief that you hold that you've been surprised that many people disagree with you on? Um, not being dogged about eschatology. Um, and that is, I mean, I think on the evangelical side, a lot of people... Um, are they might be among the most dogged about that than almost anything. And uh, um, and when I say not dogged, that doesn't mean I, I don't have opinions or beliefs that I'm not heavily interested in the subject. I mean, I've researched it myself uh, as much as any topic in my own personal Bible study since I became a believer. Uh, it is ultimately the, the culmination of human history. It is what we are looking forward to more than anything else is the return of our Lord. Um, and, and maybe I just made the mistake of, of, of actually studying it as opposed to just reading like one or two very popular books you know, like the Left Behind series. And hey, I, I love the Left Behind series. You know, your mom and I bought every single one of those. Um, your grandmother actually gave me the very first one. And when we brought you home for a Christmas break uh, when you were a baby and I read it on, uh, uh, I read it when we brought it, when we got back home and I was mesmerized even before I became a believer. And then after your mom and I became believers, we went out and bought, every time a new one came out, we bought it, you know? And uh, we saw the Kirk Cameron versions of the movies. Um, or I, I, or if you're another generation, that would be represented by the Hal Lindsey 
bestseller of the 70s, the late great planet Earth that said Jesus was going to come back in 1988. I mean, I'm, I'm heavily interested in the topic. And so because of that, I went full Steve Dace mode and, and researched views and came to find that there were lots of opinions on eschatology, you know, uh, before the Plymouth Brethren uh, showed up here in, uh, in, in the New World in the 19th century, that lots had been written about it for centuries, in fact. And people had a lot of different varying opinions, including the, the people that I wrote my first children's book about, why Thanksgiving, those Puritans, those pilgrims that landed at Plymouth Rock here, we're going to commemorate them in a couple of weeks. Um, they had a dramatically different opinion about the return of Christ than it prevails in American Christianity today. And, um, and so um, I would say that's probably the one that I'm the most at odds with with a lot of my fellow believers, just simply because I think I've just been exposed to more views on this than probably a lot of them have been. Um, this happened a little while back within the last year that the Catholic Church is, you know, for better or for worse, wrong or right, again, opening up the dialogue is, it's, you know, it's the 2000 year old church and i it got interesting i was just flooded with you got a, you know, from protestants uh sending me videos like no you don't understand like it it was this church up until the third century and then the whole constantine thing everything changed like it was a a radical usurpation that is has no reflection like in one day it apparently changed i i, I I, that that view of history, I mean, I've never heard that from Steve or Aaron or anything like that, even though they have their disagreements with it. I found that really interesting. So this is an opinion that I have, and it's not original to me. I heard it from somebody in my family who I'm not going to out. And it's not doctrine, and it's opinion that I hold with an open hand. But the few people I've actually told this opinion to have looked at me out of the side of their eyes and have kind of looked at me like I'm crazy but I, I believe that the composition of new music is the closest we can come as feeble, fallen human beings to emulating our creator, creating ex nihilo, out of nothing. Music, when you build something, the materials are already there. When you write something, the words were already there. You just put them in a different order. Music, though, of course, it's influenced by your influences in music. But when you're writing new music, I think that's the first. It's coming out of your soul and into the, the, the air, the ether. And so that's the closest thing I think we can, we can um, come to, to emulating our creator, creating out of nothing. And I've gotten weird looks when I've shared that opinion with people. That's actually very eloquent, Aaron. Very well said. Hey, before we get to question two, don't forget about our friends over at AMAC. They're the organization out there for American seniors that actually want to, you know, defend America. Uh, you don't have to join that other group that uh, doesn't defend America. And in fact, it kind of hates it uh, and uh, claims to be bipartisan. And then in the last election, uh, gave 95 percent of its political donations to the people trying to destroy the country. All right. So you do have an alternative. It's called the Association 
of mature American citizens, or AMAC, and they proudly champion Americans' rights to things like free speech, religious liberty, the Second Amendment, and more. And they're pushing back on efforts to defund the police, weaken our borders, indoctrinate and corrupt the youth, uh, weaken election integrity, and more. And they've got more than 2 million members, and the more they get, the more leverage they have, the stronger they get as well. So if you want to join a pro-faith, pro-family, pro-freedom senior organization, they can't do it alone. Joining gives you access to special low rates on everything from cell phones and plans to health and wellness products, even prescription drugs. So join today and let's send a strong message that AARP doesn't represent Americans anymore. Join AMAC today, amac.us slash dace. AMAC.US slash DACE. Again, that's AMAC.US slash DACE. All right, question two. What is a Bible verse or passage that really challenged you and your faith? So something that you really wrestled with when you read it or heard it, etc. Um, the first time I studied the New Testament as a spirit-filled believer, what really blew me away is, as you know, um, I don't know if your mom's ever told you the story that the first church we started going to when you were a baby before I got converted, the pastor got up one day and said, the Lord helps those who help themselves is not in the Bible. And I, I mean, I about stood up to say heresy. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, cause that just went against all my right wing political beliefs, you know, rugged individualism, all that stuff. And lo and behold, it's actually not in there. He was right. And, uh, and, and the emphasis in, in the old in the New Testament on paradoxical living um, and and there's very few things in the, that the New Testament says are your responsibility. Much of the New Testament is after the Gospels is a clarification of how to live, not in light of what you now must do for Christ, but in light of what he has already done for you. And that just was completely contrary. You got to remember, man, I, I, we moved all the time when I was a kid. Um, I, I had to prove myself all the time. I had a dad that was impossible to please. And so I had to strive to do that all the time. And, and this, these doctrines of submission and surrender uh, just were completely contrary uh, to the way that I was wired. Um, and so I, I wouldn't point out so much a, a verse as much as a hermeneutic that mm -hmm. much many of the epistles of the New Testament lay out. That was a great challenge for me. I, I mean, it still is. I'm better at it now uh, than I was when I first got converted 20 years ago. But um, that that was um, that wasn't that was a paradigm shift for me for sure. Uh, in our first world comforts, you know, you're learning about uh, Joshua. Uh, in Deuteronomy, where he basically lays out, you know, go into the land and wipe it out. Like, that seems a little bit harsh. <laughs> and hey, today, though, in context, uh, and the context is right in front of our faces. I totally get it. I absolutely understand it in my bones. I think uh, the entire book of James, especially James chapter one, because in, in, in pure and undefiled religion be, before God the Father, visit the orphans and widows in their, uh, in their distress and remain unstained from the world. Because I think the tendency for believers um, is to fall into one of two ditches here. That means we're only doing the feeding, the sick, the orphans, the widows in their affliction. 
or um, well, it doesn't just mean that we mean we need to do everything. No, I, it's all of the above. Um, and the reason it's challenged me because I, I have a friend who took that verse to heart. And to my knowledge, he is still taking that verse to heart. But it is at the sacrifice of actually engaging in the culture around you. Uh, so that's something that I've not necessarily struggled with, but have worked through. It's challenged me as well. But I think, I think a, um, a fuller or broader um, context of that passage will, I think, will allow you to do both and at the same time. But I think the tendency is to just, hey, we can sacrifice the culture. We can sacrifice being engaged in our communities. We can sacrifice that just as long as we're taking care of the orphans and widows and feeding the poor and doing all of that. I don't, I don't think that's correct. Before we get to the last question, Harry Dunn is a U.S. Capitol Police officer who testified about January 6th to Congress and wrote a memoir, even. Uh, he painted himself in such as a heroic martyr who fought bravely against racism and the insurrectionists, except the problem is it was all a lie. None of those events even took place. In fact, he's had mental health problems since adolescence, largely revolving around anger issues. Those anger issues are evident in his breakdowns at the Capitol. He conveniently left that part out of the story. The second installment of our video series, The Truth About January 6th, it uses open sourced videos of a number of Dunn's outbursts that have been released to the public through several trials of January 6th defendants. This is the reason that we've made the changes we have over here at Blaze News so that we can present news to you like this without being threatened anymore for demonetization by big tech. Instead, we're just gonna kick big tech to the curb and rely on you to say, hey, we want more news like that. We want more real reporting like that. And so for just $36 a year, you ensure that we can do more meaningful work like what we're doing, Steve Baker and our team is doing right now on January 6th. Go to theblaze.com slash subscribe now to read that story and subscribe today. Theblaze.com slash subscribe. Again, that's theblaze.com slash subscribe. All right, Anna, final question, sweetie. And so my final question for you guys is, what is your guilty pleasure song? So something that, as a dude, you're like, I don't know if I'd want other dudes to know that I like the song, but I'm going to confront you as well. Shake it off. Okay, I Swifty. Can, I, can, I can belt that thing. And my wife wishes that I wouldn't. Oh, also, <laughs> Carrie Under, is it Carrie Underwood dug my keys into uh, the side yeah. of his? Uh, yeah, that one as well. That's, but that's, that's a good before, one. Before he cheats, or you know, yes. whatever the name of the song is. Todd, you go next. Are you a Swifty too, Todd? Are you coming out? No. <laughs> I'm 51. <laughs> uh, but back in the day, like, uh, if Shania Twain comes on, mm. you turn that up. I mean, she can rock and roll. This might be a better question, Princess, for me to ask you. I mean, you No, grew up- <laughs> no, no. What what song do you remember me liking? And you're like, my dad should not be into that. Because you heard, oh, you heard a ton of music growing up. Like, yeah. when you were little, we played rock band. I mean, I really liked country Taylor Swift a lot. Like, I loved You Belong With Me. I thought <laughs> See, that was a I good have, song. I know exactly okay. what it is. That All right, you tell, you tell the audience what it is. <laughs> you showed, you were like, you treated it like I've never heard it. And you were like, I love this song. It was so weird. It was Firework by Katy Perry. When I was yes. younger, you like loved that. And you like tried to show me like and my friends. Song. And we were like, yep. we've heard this. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is true. I like, I like that. There's another one of hers that I liked a lot. I used to use it as a parody on my Hot show. Hot and cold. Hot and cold. I like that one even more. I he like did that like that. More. It was so, like, so yeah. weird. <laughs> See, I knew you would know the answer. I knew you would know. Yes. But I loved Katy Perry, Hot and Cold. I loved that did. song. It was That's so true. odd. It, did. it was yes. so weird. <laughs> now you get a restraining order for saying something. <laughs> we might need to cancel our show after that segment right there. <laughs> we maybe should be canceled, in fact. All right, somebody make up your mind. You're hot. You're... Never mind, I'll stop. I'll stop now. All right. Thank you, sweetheart. Love you. Appreciate you. Love you, too. Thanks. All right, guys, any final words before we uh, sign off here for the day? And then I hand it off to you guys for the overtime, and then I got to go get your flight. Well, what are you, I've just, quick, quick, are you more optimistic about the debate or more pessimistic about the election two days ago? I mean, I, I just think the whole energy since Governor Reynolds' endorsement has changed. If, if anything, I, if I, I've had a, not had a chance to talk to Ron since yesterday before the debate, but it, I, I'm sure him and I will chat post-debate debrief at some point in the next few days. I, I just said, hey, man, however many people watched last night, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12 million should have heard more about Kim Reynolds and that endorsement, should have mixed that in more. I think that absolutely has changed the environment and the energy level back home for sure. Uh, and and then I think you you have a anywhere from depending on who you talk to a solid to excellent debate performance as well. And I think this has been a phenomenal week. It's been it's really been a phenomenal couple of months, really, uh, overall, I think, for Ron as a candidate. But where the governor's endorsement helps is it's going to get people off the sidelines now that we're like, I don't know if it matters. Can you beat Trump? I don't know if I want to take part in the process. A lot of those people now are suddenly engaged and they weren't engaged a week ago. I guess that means you guys agree. Perfect. We do. All right. <laughs> all right. I'm heading home. All right. Hopefully I'll be in studio with you all on Friday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.